The first reading is from Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. And the second reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, beginning at verse 1, the shepherd and his flock. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much. Twelve nights ago, some 20 million people turned on their TV sets to watch a certain program. It was the most watched show on TV this year, trumping even uh, England's appearances in the Football World Cup, EastEnders, or Strictly Come Dancing. Can you guess what the show was? It was the final of The X Factor, uh, the most popular program on our TVs this year. Uh, uh, extremely successful, uh, surprisingly so in many ways. But why? Why has the X Factor been so successful these last six or seven years? And I think amongst the many reasons, one of the key reasons is the rather shrewd, perceptive question that Simon Cowell asks the new contestants at the start of every season. Simon says to the new uh, nervous, quaking contestants, tell me, what's your dream? What's the ambition? What is your hopes, your, your goals for your life? 
and the answer comes back, I, I want to be a pop star, I want to be famous, you know, to earn money, have the lifestyle. And we as viewers then get the chance to sit back on our sofas, to munch our popcorn and drink our drinks, and to find out if they will make their dreams come true. And it turns out it's very entertaining watching someone else trying to achieve their dreams. But tonight, for just a few minutes, I want to turn things around and to ask each one of us the rather uncomfortable searching question, the Simon Cowell question. What's our dream? What is our ambition? What is our strategy to make the most of life? And Christmas is a great time to ask ourselves those sort of questions. We're told that Christmas is meant to be the happiest time of the year, when our dreams are meant to be um, coming into reality. You know, we've got the family, the food, the fun, the festive spirits, presents, the booze. It's meant to be a great time. But is it enough? Does it last? Does it fulfill? And of course, for others, Christmas can be um, a very difficult time, a time when uh, feelings of loneliness, of disappointment can be amplified, can be an incredibly difficult time of, of the year. Is there any hope for us to ever fulfill our dreams to have a great life? What's our dream? What is our ambition, our strategy for life? Christmas is a great time to ask ourselves these questions because the person right at the heart of Christmas had a lot to say about life, about how to make the most of life. Of course, that person was Jesus Christ. And in our reading from John 10 that we just heard, Jesus had this to say about life. Verse 10. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus has come into our world at Christmas to bring life, to bring life to the full. What does that mean? What does that mean in reality? Well, two things I want us to think about tonight very quickly. It's a warning about life and it's a promise about life. First of all, the warning about life. Jesus is saying to us that without him, we won't have life. Not life to the full. That's the implication of, of what he's saying. A friend of mine studied here at Oxford. He was, uh, his great dream in life was to be a company director, to earn lots of money. Uh, he was clever, he was sporty, he, uh, he had a way with ladies. On the surface, he looked like someone who was living the dream. But he tells me about how he'd come home from the parties at night and lie on his bed, unable to sleep, haunted by the question, is this it? Is this all there is to life? It felt so hollow, so fleeting, so elusive. Jesus says that without him, we won't have life. Not life to the full, that's the warning. What about our jobs, our careers? Well, the, uh, the recent economic downturn certainly shows us how fragile 
these things can be. Recently, Bill Gates announced that having earned billions of pounds, that he plans to give away almost all of his money. And he was asked why, and he said, I've discovered that money doesn't make life better. It just makes it more complicated, harder. What about family, friends? For some of us, Christmas will be complete bliss, the perfect picture of family harmony, of of joy and peace. Yet so often, there can be those niggling squabbles, those arguments. There can be frustration about the presents. Um, the, the, The great food... Well, it's a bit too much. We're left feeling a bit ill. Um, the presents weren't all we dreamed of. And of course, the hangovers the next morning. Jesus has come into the world at Christmas to bring life. Because without him, we won't find life. Not life to the full. Of course, there are many good things in the world to enjoy. I hope you have a great Christmas day. A great time with friends, family, great presents. But the point is this, unless Jesus is right at the center of what we do, we will never be satisfied, we'll be left hollow, the pieces won't quite match together. That's the first thing, it's a warning about life. But secondly, it's a a promise about life. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And the great news at Christmas, the thrilling news, is that the search for life is over at Christmas. Because in the person of Jesus Christ, we find life to the full, full life. There's no need to scratch our heads and to wonder how we can possibly make sure that we have a full life. Because in Jesus lies the key. But what is this life that Jesus offers us? How can it be so good? Well, it's many things, but it's at least the following three things. It means, first of all, forgiveness. The story is told of a time when Sir Arthur Conan Doyle wrote a telegram to 12 of the most influential people in London. It said this, flee, all has been revealed. And by the next morning, the story goes, all 12 people had fled the city. You see, we all have secrets that we hope no one finds out about. Things that we've done in the past. Things that we've said or felt. And I know myself that it would be awful if on that screen there behind me, you could see all those secrets that I have. It would be dreadful. Each one of us has those. And the message of Christmas is that God has come to earth to bring forgiveness for every single one of those things. When I was much younger, I used to love playing practical jokes with my brothers. One of my favorite jokes was to find a large book and to to balance it on top of the door such that the slightest nudge on the door would send the book toppling down onto the victim's head. Of course, the key to the game was to make sure you didn't walk through the doorway um, before your brother had. You know, it's easy to, f- to forget which door you'd rigged. But once you heard that noise, you knew it was safe. The book had fallen. But in a way, Jesus offers to walk through the doorway for us. 
to take the hit that we deserve, the hit for the things that we've done wrong, for the fact that we failed to live for God as God would have us. He takes the hit for us. You see, this baby lying in the manger at Bethlehem would grow up to be a man, and this man would go on to die a bloody, brutal death on a Roman cross, a death in our place, taking the the consequences for our actions onto himself that we may be forgiven. That's what life means. Forgiveness, no guilt. The second thing is friendship. We've had forgiveness, now friendship. The story is told, some of you may have heard of it, about two sisters who lived in a house for many years and they had a fundamental breakdown in their relationship. They couldn't stand living in the same room together. And so they drew a white line right down the center of the house, and they agreed to live on separate halves of the house, to never cross that white line. It was a lonely and bitter existence, until sadly one of the ladies died. And in a way, each one of us has drawn a white line down our lives and said to God, clear off. Stay out of our space. We want to live our lives as we want to live them, without you involved in our lives. But at Christmas, God says, I want to cross that line. He crosses the white line, comes into our world, and says to us, I want friendship. I want relationship. I want to be involved in your lives in a life-transforming and meaningful way. That is the offer of Christmas. God crosses the white line to come into our lives to bring friendship. Forgiveness, friendship, finally, future. The story is told of a lady who died and a family friend came and asked the the, the minister um, whether she had, had left much. And the minister said, oh, she left everything. They always do. See, that's the reality of what we all face sometime in the future. All the things that we build up in this life that make our lives feel significant, whether it's the, the bank accounts or the house or the, the career, the, the books we've published, eventually they will all count for nothing. Except Jesus offers us life, that is, eternal life, life that goes beyond the grave, stretching off into all of eternity. It's an offer of life that makes sense of our lives now, that gives our lives now meaning and purpose and direction. So there's a promise about life this Christmas, a promise of forgiveness, of friendship, and of future. What's your dream? What's your ambition? What is your strategy for life? I hope you have one, and I hope you have a good life. I hope that you aim to have a fulfilling life. But I hope this Christmas you will take the offer of life from Jesus seriously. You'll take time to weigh up what he says about life.